Hey there, welcome to SaaS Unbound season two, brought to you by SaaS Group, obviously. I'm Anna Dana, your host, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today with me is Jason Freed. I feel like I don't need to do any introductions, but co-founder of 37 Signals. Um, those guys built Basecamp, hey.com, and now once.com which I really want to get into. Mm -hmm. uh, but hey, great to see you again here. Yeah, good to be back again. All right. Well, we had some questions left last time, but you know, something to get out of the way right away because I was doing my research and you're definitely fried in most countries. <laughs> so <laughs> That's okay. That's cool. That works for me. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, I was obviously stalking your LinkedIn as always as mostly people do <laughs> in SaaS. <laughs> a lot of good, interesting stuff uh, there. A lot of new things, once.com, I think something that we definitely should discuss first. Um, so SaaS is dead, huh? Not really, um, nowhere near dead, but we think, I mean, Basecamp's still SaaS, Hay's still SaaS, and they're gonna remain SaaS. And we might do future SaaS products too, but we think that there's an opportunity to provide a different degree of um, a product that is uh, installable, that is not SaaS, that is pay once, install yourself, run yourself. And I think that it's good to have more options and uh, broadening the opportunity for people to choose the kind of products they want to use and the way they want to pay for them, I think is worthwhile. It's a worthwhile endeavor. And we might be early on this as we've historically been early on many things, um, but got to start somewhere. Someone's got to start. I know this, we're not the only ones doing this, but we want to put a, a lot of effort into it and make some, make some strong points. So once of course is not the product. That's like the, the product line. It's like the label mm -hmm. for these kinds of products. And, um, we'll, we'll bring out our first one near the end of the year. Okay. There, so there is no, no way of, of getting out the information of what it's going to be. <laughs> well, I can tell you a few of the ideas around, um, the choices we're making to choose which products to make in this in this model, okay. um, they have to be radically simplified versions of things that already exist. Is sort of the idea. So we're we're mm -hmm. looking at um, what are some commodity products out there um, that have been around, been are well established, that there are many many versions of from different vendors, and prices are still priced as if they're luxury items. So we're looking mm -hmm. for commodities that are still priced like luxury items. And I think if you're spending, you know, if you're really, really small business, maybe it doesn't make as much of a big deal. But if you're a medium-sized business and you're spending hundreds or thousands of dollars a month, month after month after month after month after month for the thing that you've been using, you might go, why is this cost so much still? I thought software was supposed to be getting cheaper. I thought technology is supposed to bring prices down. Why do I keep paying the same amount or more? Because prices have inflated, in fact, um, month after month. Um, so, but to do that, we have to find very simple, we have to find these commodity products, mm -hmm. make our versions of them, radically simplify them, like beyond 80, 20, like 90, 10, like how can we figure out what the 10% that really matters? Like what is the 10% that really matters? Polish that, hone that and offer that at a really reduced price that you pay for once that you install yourself and, uh, and go from there. So, you know, you might be able to guess what some of the commoditized products might look like. Um, but I think once people start to understand that or look at, look at their bills and also look at the products they're using and realize that like, 
we're only using really the core of this thing. Why are we why are we paying so much? And there's new features all the time that we're not really using, and maybe we're sort of using them. But gosh, if we could if we could just have this thing and not have to pay for it again, we might want to look into that. So that's sort of what we're going to be doing. Okay. All right. That's exciting. Well, since yeah. uh, you know we started talking about pricing a little bit, like in uh, in this case, I think a lot of um, people that do pricing that are already confused about pricing are just like. <laughs> a new one like how do you price this thing like okay you pay a lot of money it is priced not potentially not very nicely uh especially towards um medium-sized businesses um so what's your strategy there are you going to go after you know let's still keep it pricey but like one time or mm -hmm. it's going to be surprisingly okay. low priced Pe people are not I mean, no one knows. We haven't shared our numbers. We haven't finally, we haven't determined exactly what the price is going to be. And each product might be priced differently. And it's also probably mm -hmm. going to be priced differently in different markets. And this is one of the beautiful okay. things about products that you build that are sold as products and not services is that there's no infrastructure charges for us. There's no hosting. There's no, like right now, our whole company is based on US salaries. Mm -hmm. So it's very difficult to provide a, a product, let's say in, in India, um, at right, deeply reduced prices, that. but our costs are still U.S. costs, right? Mm -hmm. But with installable products that you pay for once and that you sort of run on your own, the marginal cost for us is very, very, it's, it's very low. It's close to zero to sell another copy of something that's we don't have to maintain in that sense. We maintain it in terms right. of upgrades and updates and security patches, but we don't have to run it. So we could sell something in the U.S. I'm making up rough round numbers here just to like, Make these something that's five hundred bucks in the U.S. could be fifty dollars equivalent in India. I don't know what the what the mm -hmm. what that would be in rupees, but you know, and, and that would still make sense because the marginal cost is close to zero ultimately to sell another copy of something. So we're going to be looking at, at localized pricing in different markets, and um, that'll be really interesting. Uh, and uh, but we'll probably not release the price until we re release the product, but it's not going to be much. And also, you're going to get to see all the code. So you get the code too, which is right. something that is not available in commercial products typically. In open source, it is. Um, but to see the code and have the right to repair and the right to analyze and, and examine and know exactly what this thing is doing, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like when you use SaaS software, there's a lot of trust involved. You don't know like what the company, you don't, are, 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 like your keystrokes being recorded. I mean, maybe, how would you know? Um, you know, who, who can see the data on the other side? How, you would, you don't know, you know, you don't really know what's being sent back to the, you don't really know a lot of things. It's, there's, it's a mm -hmm. black box essentially, which is fine. Most companies are trustworthy, but still, you know, in, in with one's products, since you get to look at the code and analyze the code and see everything that's happening, you know exactly what's happening and what isn't happening. And I think that's an important thing that people are going to enjoy as well. All right. So that's, yeah. that's the path you're taking. There was Merck's, Merck's first, right? We're yes. moving out of the cloud. Now yes. we're moving out of, uh, SaaS or like potentially not um, not a very nice uh, SaaS um, processes that that exist. So is it I don't know back to um, bringing what internet was I don't know 10, 15 years ago was it more fun back then? Like what what's uh, why is this path? I, I think it's it, partially it's it's we have a hunch we have a hunch here mm -hmm. that people are tired of paying for something in perpetuity uh, and paying a lot of money month after month after month. So so mm -hmm. there should be some other options. I mean, like you should be able to, 
let's say you have some critical business software that you use every day. Like, shouldn't there be like maybe another option that you don't have to pay every single month? And you can decide what it's worth and what isn't. But we want to put some mm -hmm. options out there. We want to say that not everything is a great fit for SaaS. Many things still are and will be, but not everything has to be. There's other things that like don't need to be SaaS. Like all of a sudden everything needs to be SaaS. Like why? Why does it need to be? It doesn't need to be. So we're kind of throwing that idea out there. Um, and look, we're only going to pick off, you know, a handful of products. We might do a couple mm -hmm. a year. We'll see how it shakes out. So it's not like we're, SaaS is going to exist and it won't be a problem for anybody who's in that market, but there should be options. And then we're also just curious. We're curious to see what happens. We also get to, to build products, different kinds of products this time around mm -hmm. um, that are, are radically different and can be built with, let's say, two people in a few months and then have virtually no support costs after that. Um, we're forcing ourselves to build things that are extraordinarily simple and clear and intuitive to make sure that our support costs don't rise with this because this is a one-time thing. So it's hard to yeah. make it work if you pay whatever, and then we have to support it in, in the same way we would support SaaS. So there's some really good constraints and there's some weight on our back here to make sure that we can carry this idea in a different way and, and lessen that load. So it's, it's a fun intellectual challenge, creative challenge, yeah. uh, and I also think there's going to be a lot of curiosity simply around how these products are built. And the fact that we're sharing all the code, um, I think a lot of teams who might choose to use them or maybe even not use them might still want to buy them because they might want to see how something is built Ow. like this. And that's kind of interesting. You don't really get to see how commercial products are built. And we're taking right. great care to make sure that this product is built, or these products, initially one, is built beautifully. The code is fantastic. The design is fantastic. The code that powers the design is for the HTML, everything's CSS, everything, the Ruby, the Rails, all of it is just dialed in and people can see what it's like to have a really, really well-built piece of commercial software, um, which is, you know, different companies will share little code snippets here and there. They'll share a little thing, but this is the whole yeah. base, the whole code base. So I think as, as a study tool for, for a lot of teams who are wondering how this stuff is done, it could be very valuable too. Okay. Well, it looks like you're having a lot of fun with it. And, uh, you know, there will be a lot of naming involved. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the name. <laughs> and also like, look, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, this is, we're just trying something here. Um, it's not a huge risk. We've been working on this product for a few months. Um, mm -hmm. And at, a lot of that has to do with the infrastructure to do all the installable acrobatics. But once that part is done, um, new products will just take a few months each and they'll be able to be built by two people. And so there's not a huge risk here, but there's a lot of curiosity and excitement. So we'll see which, how it shakes out. Well, I don't know what the market's going to think. We have no idea. Truly. Right. Um, we'll have to find out. All right. Well, yeah. uh, I'm, you know, I'm on the list. I, I want to find out Thank definitely you. what what, <laughs> Thank you. what the first one is. So we started talking about pricing. And I think that was one of the questions that we uh, never got to the previous episode. It was one of the uh, comments, uh, like what I should ask you. And uh, that's a very like interesting what you're doing with, with this new products. You said that it's not going to be a, a huge price, uh, but yeah, you've already started kind of testing like what it could be, uh, your deal with Indian subscriptions for Basecamp, um, where the idea came from and how are you testing um, all the other pricing strategies? Because like, obviously there are some people that are completely in love with, with this strategy of like, you have to change your pricing every th three months, every four months, I don't know, every yeah. half a year. Um, what do you do? Well, for the one stuff specifically? Yeah. I mean, yeah. one of the exciting things about 
about installable software is that uh, you know we could start with a certain price, introductory price, mm -hmm. right? And three months later, we could try a different price, and it doesn't change the price on anybody because you've already paid for it. This is no different mm -hmm. than than uh, you know uh, peanut butter on the shelf. Sometimes the price goes up, sometimes the price goes down. You know. And like you could be upset that it went up 30 cents or went down 30 cents. And if you would have waited, it would have been cheaper. Like who knows? But in reality, like we can experiment with price more with this because mm -hmm. we're not changing subscription rates on people and there's no complicated stuff. It's like at the time, this is how much it cost. Um, and we can play around with different markets. So we're, we just pick numbers. We pick a number initially that feels right, that feels like a, a very good deal. Um, it also supports our economics. Like we have to make sure that this economically viable for us. And we'll start there. And we want to start at a place that will probably surprise some people. Um, I don't know what people are expecting this to cost. I mean, it's interesting to hear some people are imagining it being like, well, it's 10 grand or something for this thing. You don't have to pay for it once. It's like, no, no, it won't be anywhere near that. Right. So it's, it's, uh, it, it's going to be we think very affordable and we'll see what happens. And we might do an introductory price for the first three months and make sure it's clear that this is a new thing. We're launching this thing. It's going to be a little bit cheaper for the first three months to give it a shot, see how it goes. Early adopters pay less. Maybe, I don't know, mm -hmm. maybe it goes up a little bit. Maybe there's some um, quantity that once we sell a certain quantity, it goes down. I don't really know what we're going to do. We haven't decided ultimately, but we have a general sense of where we're going to launch in mind. And then we'll, we'll play. We'll play a little bit. We'll okay. see if the demand is elastic or not. Like, we'll you know, does it matter if, if it's $50 more, if it's $500 more? Does it, does it matter? I don't know. Um, it probably depends on what people are comparing it to and, and the whole thing. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Okay. Yeah. seven ninety nine. So <laughs> that's your, that's your guess. Right. No. Oh, is that your guess? Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Let's take a guess. Right. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a great strategy. I was talking today just, um, to a founder who's actually, by the way, huge fan of yours. Again, oh, another cool. testimonial to one of your books i think i'm gonna make a mistake if i if i say one or the other but he said yeah after reading it he completely you know uh, no questions asked he can do uh he can do SaaS. he can build his own company cool. uh all thanks to you so you know oh great inspiring I'm glad stuff to <laughs> it's, nice to, it's nice to know that we're able to help someone like maybe take the first step let's say obviously they have to do the yeah. work but yeah it's great yeah yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, okay. So that was about once and love the name again. Uh, but what about SaaS, right? SaaS is not dead yet. We've no, established that even <laughs> even that that uh, there is life beyond it. So how do you do it now? Like there this deal, pricing? Let, let's right pricing, yeah. like, for example, the again, let's let's go back to India. Uh, any people pissed? Any people saying, you know, I wish I lived there. <laughs> now it's cheaper <laughs> to, <laughs> to use Basecamp. Well, yeah. The first, so SaaS is changing prices in the SaaS world. Is, we don't really change our prices on our existing customers. So mm -hmm. um, we have, we might change prices occasionally uh, as an experiment, but anyone who's paying the old price gets to pay the old price. Like we don't, we don't retroactively change because it's just not worth it. It's just, it's just complicated. If an existing customer sees a new price and they ask us about it, we're happy to change it for them. But we don't okay. we don't whiplash the whole customer base because we experiment frequently, and that just is totally you can't do it that way. So with India, we did look around at 
competing products and sort of how other products are not even like competing products with us, but like, I should say products in the market, SaaS market, mm -hmm. small business software. And it looked like about $4 a month equivalent per user was sort of where those were coming out. So that's kind of how we priced it. And we priced it in, in, in local currency there. So uh, we just said like, that's fine. Now, um, the idea there is actually to, to see what happens because um, as we talked about earlier, our costs are not in rupees, our costs are in dollars. So it's ultimately hard to make that work unless we get a huge amount of signups from India. Yeah. But you won't know until you try. And so here we are trying. We put a page up. We promoted it pretty well. Some people shared it. It's gotten out there. Had all, thousands of signups so far. And the first cohort is is just about coming due to their 30-day free trial. So we mm -hmm. don't know what the conversion rates are going to look like. Uh, they might be great. They might be terrible. We don't really know yet. Um, so it's actually about now they're beginning to hit their 30 days. Um, and oftentimes people wait a few more days. So they're they're we give people a little bit of a grace period after 30 days. And then, you know, so we kind of look at this more like 45 days later, 60 days later to see what the real conversion okay. rates are. So then we'll know. But um, we've had a few customers in India who, who were paying at the old US rates, uh, which, well, I mean, that was how it was billed. And then they said, hey, can we switch over? And we said, sure, of course, we'll be happy to help you out with that. And the same thing is true when we, we introduced new prices in Basecamp uh, last year. We had some customers who were on a previous unlimited plan. They wanted to switch to per user plan. We we're happy to let them do that, that sort of thing. But we're not going to move everyone over because some people you help with that, some people you hurt with that. And we just like, it is what it is. When you signed up, this is what it was. This is what you're paying. And um, new customers will sign up at the new prices. And that's just sort of how that works. That's the best way, I think, to test because people get, I know people get intimidated by thinking they're changing, like, like, how do you change prices on your customers? Like, well, don't just mm -hmm. change the price on the next customer because the new customer, it's not a change for them. It's just, this is the price of the product. They didn't know any different yeah. before. And if they did, well, they didn't buy it then. So they don't own it. It's just like, this is the price now. And this is just how pricing works in general. I don't know why people are afraid of this. I think it is because they're afraid to change on existing, but just leave them alone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I also wanted to ask about, um, one of the posts that you did or like one of the, uh, activities uh, that you had at Basecamp, back to Basecamp. I uh -huh. thought it was really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just to, to elaborate a little bit, uh, there was a post about um, you doing this campaign to learn who left Basecamp at some point and then um, after using another product came back. And you wanted to talk to them and obviously like talking to your customers is something that you do and uh, there is no way to avoid it. And if you do, then well, too bad. Um, but um, yeah, what was in it for you? How many like how many people reached out? What were the best learnings? And how did you act on it? Yeah, I don't know the total number of people who reached out because I wasn't the, the point person on that necessarily. But mm -hmm. I do know that we've produced a handful of videos so far. Um, and we're producing kind of a, a series of videos and we'll release them all together. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I just saw another one yesterday that was completed. So um, we had enough people who responded. Um, it's always hard to get people to respond to anything. What is one of the things we've learned in general, which is when you ask someone else to do something for you, it's it's quite hard. So like they had to tell us a story and they, we had to do a video interview with them and then we produced the video, but it's, it's a lot of work for somebody else to do. And we've done contests over the years, which you know, we finally should learn our lesson that like, it's just, it's just hard to ask people to submit something unless like they're looking for a job, then they're going to do the work, but otherwise yeah. it's hard. But um, 
Yeah, so we're going to put some videos out. And hmm. what's always interesting is that what, what you generally learn is that people typically go in search of something they think they need. Like they're like, I outgrew this. I need more stuff. I need more features. I need more, ultimately, I need more complexity. I need more dependencies between this and that. And like they go in search of more and they slam into complexity. And what they thought would benefit them turns out not to be such a benefit. And in fact, it's a, it's a detriment. And they try to struggle through it for a while and they go, this just isn't worth it. And then they yearn for uh, what was easier and what, what worked for them. And they, so that's why they typically come back to Basecamp. So it's usually, it's not because they don't like our product. It's because they feel like they need more out of a product. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we keep Basecamp intentionally simple. It does more than it's ever done before, but there's a lot of, let's say, quote, sophisticated things it doesn't do intentionally. We keep that stuff out because we don't think it's really valuable. Um, and they go look for it. And some, some okay. stay with what their new thing is and, you know, and others come back. And we just want to talk to the people who came back. And it's always the same story. Okay. We just, we, it's like, it was too complicated. We met these other things. It, did, it didn't help. It was just like, it slowed us down. It made things harder. Yeah, we got what we thought we wanted and we can do the things that we wanted to do. But we actually, it turns out we shouldn't be doing those things at all. And and so, you know, they're back. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's easier to, to stay with an easier product and maybe sometimes you don't have uh, a nice to have feature there, but maybe you don't need it in the first place. Well, the grass is always greener. And the other thing people, people forget is that when they switch to something else, they're giving up other things too. So they might, there might be this banner feature somewhere else that someone has and they feel like they need that. They go there mm -hmm. and then they, they realize they've lost 14 things that that new product or the other product doesn't have that Basecamp had. So but you don't really think about that. You think like when you switch to something else, you're like, I'm going to get everything I already had. Plus I get these new things that I really wanted, but it's never that way. And then you have to retrain people and you know, the whole thing. And, and it's, it's complicated. Now, again, some people leave for, for good reason and they, they find something else that's a better fit for them. And that's totally fine. We don't, we don't have a retention team. We don't keep anyone here who doesn't want to be here. We never say, Hey, we'll give you 10% off if you stay. Like I'm not interested in, in convincing people to stay. Um, the product okay. is as good as we can make it. Um, we take really good care of people. Our prices are extremely fair. You get a ton of stuff with Basecamp, but if it's not the right fit for you, that's fine. And also we'll be here if you decide to go somewhere else and you want to come back. We've been here for 20 years. We'll be here again when you're ready. So we just take a very calm approach to that. And, um, you know, like I said, some people leave, some people come back, some people leave other products and come to Basecamp and stay with us. Some people come to Basecamp stay here and then leave again. Like it, it's just a, yeah. you know, a revolving door and that's totally fine as long as of course as more people are coming in they're leaving. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades, all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans 
talking to your best marketers. Well, let's talk retention. You know, you, you don't yeah. believe that maybe you need it, uh, but it's it's been, you know, in the talks for, for so long, for the entire year, at least uh, this year, because everyone's uh, realizing that you need to retain your customers because, well, uh, new ones are a little bit harder to get now and you have yes. to stay profitable because it's not no longer uh, as easy as it used to be. And, you know, VCs are not lining at your door. So, um, Oh, at what point did you decide that, you know, retention is nothing you want to do? Or, well, I could, I can also understand that you're very like vocal about what you do and you're very open and your personal brands with David are, you know, speaking for themselves and, you know, everyone knows you. So, so when you said, um, when you ask people to, <laughs> to do a video for you, they, they don't say, uh, they are busy or they're not, they're not ready for it. It was like, huh? <laughs> well, look, I nobody knows us really. This, this is the thing, like in this, maybe in this circle, in this community, we're well known, but like, yeah, that's a small, tiny, great, small, tiny community, but it's, <laughs> it's not the world. It's not the market. You know, there's a, most people have no idea. I meet people. What do you do? I'm going to do this. What's that? Like most people don't know who yeah. we are or what we do. Um, but I mean, SaaS, if we, if we talk SaaS exclusively, I mean, there are no questions asked, right? So that's why, sure. that's why well, I'm so curious. I think retention is a thing that there's different ways to look at it. I used to have a, a serious satellite radio, which is, are you familiar with that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So, 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 so there's like satellite radio. I don't know if they have it in, in Europe. I think they, they have, I'm not sure if they do uh, or not. I know it's, it covers North America. Anyway, long story short is you, you get a new car and it comes with a, a satellite radio and you kind of sign up and you get six months free and then you put in, you, you buy it or something. And then you decide you don't want it. It is so hard to leave. They have retention specialists who like, if you call to, first of all, you can't cancel online. You have to call a phone number. And you call this phone number and you try to cancel and they put, they go, hang on, let me put you through this other person. And then hang on, let me put you through this other person. And what if we gave you half off? No. What if we gave you this plus this? No, I just want to leave. Well, sir, what if, you know, and it's, it's just like, it's desperation. It's not retention. And okay. that does not feel as a customer. Like, I just want to go. Can I go please? Like, why are you grabbing onto me? It feels slimy and bad. Okay. So we never want to be that ever. I never want to try to talk anyone out. I don't want to talk anyone into using Basecamp or out of using Basecamp or, okay. or, or any, I like, this is the product we put out. This is our point of view. We, we do a good job. We make great software. We have incredible support, like all these things we do. This is the best we can do. Like, I don't want to try to convince you not to leave or to convince you to come here. I mean, I will do my best to sell the product, but like, we don't have a sales team. And we don't have a retention team, right? We just take good care of customers. And it's if this isn't a good fit for you, you know better than I do. Don't I'm not going to come and tell you you're wrong to leave. Like you should be leaving because you're ready to leave for whatever reason. I'm fine with that. Again, I don't want to be a company that feels desperate that is trying to grab onto people. Now we used to have something we played with it for a while, where if you're going to cancel, you could choose to freeze your account instead. And free, a frozen account is an account that we keep around for, I think it was six months at a very, very low rate. Because what we found was that some people didn't want to leave, but they didn't have any projects right now. So there was like a pause in their business or they didn't mm -hmm. need Basecamp for a while, but they didn't want to lose their account. And so that was a learning we from talking to customers. We learned that what they'd actually, some people would rather do is pause 
And since we're hosting their data, I think it was like, it went down to like 10 bucks. I forget what this was that we don't offer this anymore, but it was like 10 bucks a month or something for a while, just to like, you, it was read only, you, you know, but it was here and nothing was lost and nothing was deleted. And that's something we learned. And that wasn't a retention strategy as much as it was like, oh, I see you don't actually want to leave, but we give you no other options. So there's some of that, which I think is very valuable, but mm -hmm. I just don't like the feeling of desperation when companies just don't let you leave. It should be right. as easy to leave as it is to sign up. And we know companies make it super easy to sign up. Just one click and you're in, give us your, whatever it is, like you're in, it should be that easy to leave. And, um, but I, I look, and I know retention teams, there's probably wonderful retention teams. And if you offer people discounts and deals and the whole thing, you can save some customers. I'm sure that is possible. I've never been interested in maximization of anything. I don't want to maximize that process of getting people who are on the fence to stick around because we're going to give them a discount. I just like, if, if you're ready to go, go. That's how I okay. feel about it. Yeah. All right. Well, that was, uh, you know, kind of an extreme example as well, right? You don't have to be desperate. You can, uh, you can get some very sophisticated retention uh, sequence going on. Like, yes. Uh, it could be used for learning, right? You said uh, you did you did learn from customers. You offered those freezing uh, freezing account options. So it could be that, right? You don't have to just hang on to them. I agree. It absolutely could be that. I'm just telling you from my experience as a customer, it's very obvious, yeah. and it's often not very sophisticated. It's very blunt. It's like mm -hmm. whenever I see like you can't cancel you have to call a number or you have to email. It's like they're putting friction in place. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like that. Um, I just, as a customer, I don't like that. I understand why companies do it as a customer. I don't like it. So I'm sure there are really gentle, professional, tight, clean ways to do this. That doesn't make me feel like, why are you making this hard on me? The moment I feel like you're making yeah. it hard on me, I feel like this this is not the bargain I signed up for. Uh, and yeah. so this is maybe me. Maybe I'm more sensitive to this than others. I don't know. I don't think so, though. Um, I think people are frustrated when it's hard to cancel things. Um, but it to is. your point, um, I mean, one of the things that we ask when, uh, when people do cancel, we have a cancellation survey, not before they cancel, after. You cancel one okay. click very quickly. And then we say, hey, sorry to see you go. If there's anything that you'd like to share with us about why you're leaving, we'd love to hear about that. Um, and there's an option, I think in that thing, can we follow up with you? So it's opt in that we can follow up with you. And we learn a lot, you know, sometimes it's like, well, I didn't have any projects right now, or, um, our company unfortunately was, is winding down or my boss is saying we need to switch to another system or we love Basecamp. We're going to be back in a few months, but we just couldn't afford it right now. Whatever the, the reasons are, we learn a lot or you didn't have the features I was looking for or whatever it could be. Right. So we do have that, but it's never before. It's never before. Okay. Um, so yeah, learn. You can learn a ton from people who switch away, but just don't get in their way. Let them go if that's what they want to do. And then if, if they're in, the thing that's interesting is people are actually quite forthcoming after the fact. We, we learn a lot from our cancellation surveys and um, we didn't make it hard to learn. You know, do you ever optional. hear, you know, I would stay if you asked me to. Nope. That's an interesting okay. thing. Um, never, well, I, I'm not aware of, of that answer. Um, but yeah, there might be, you know, it's interesting. There could probably be variations of that, which is like, um, maybe, I, I don't know if this is, I'm, I'm making things up, but you could imagine seeing this message in something like, um, 
um, hadn't heard about updates lately or like, mm -hmm. you know, didn't feel like I was valued as a customer or something like that. Like you can yeah. infer that that's what they were kind of saying. It's like, I wish you'd reach out more, you know? Yeah. We're yeah. very careful about not, because again, we, we're all, we've all used products where it's like too many emails, too many drips. And it's just like, stop. Can you just stop? <laughs> um, so we're, we're trying to, you always try to find that balance and we're playing with that balance. That's true. Yeah. 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 That's something uh, that also uh, another founder shared. Uh, he used this product for a while uh, and then he just stopped. And um, the company reached out to him uh, one and a half years later after he like he never used the product all this time, yeah. kept paying for it because it was like very, uh, right. very little, but he completely forgot about it. And, and then year and a half later he cancels and they're like oh can we do something for you right that's good <laughs> yeah the, the other way to think about this is like i actually think retention begins at sign up it, it's not something you do at the end when someone's about to leave so when people Absolutely. sign up for base camp for example um they get my I, I write a letter there's a letter in the in the product i mean i wrote a letter it's not a personal letter to each person but has my email address mm -hmm. contact me i own the place you're buying software from a small business. We are here for you. I read every email I get. I don't have an assistant. Just write me and I'll get back to you. Um, and that is part of retention in a sense. It's establishing something early um, that makes an impression. And I get emails from people going, this is amazing. I've never been able to contact the CEO of a company I've ever bought anything from before. Like, and it just, it sets, it sets a tone. And they still might leave in six months or eight months for other reasons, but sure. uh, a good experience, good experiences every single day, um, good product that, that works yeah. and that does what it says it does, that's retention. That's um, retention. It's not a strategy at the end when someone's about to walk out the door. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's the worst when, you know, when it's the email from a founder and then you're trying to like, because, you know, the name is there, you kind of feel like you can reply and then you sure. reply and they're like, that's an error, never goes anywhere. Right. Yeah, that's horrible. That stuff is just, it's just so disappointing. It's so disappointing. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll talk to other founders or CEOs or whatever. And they're like, how do you have, how do you have time to respond to your customers? Like, what? What else do you do? What isn't this what you're supposed to be doing? Like this is part of the job, which is yeah. someone is is honoring you by paying for your product that you've and they want to talk to you about it. Like, of course. Now, there's some people who write emails too frequently. And it's and oh, it, they, it, it becomes a like a personal, it's like, hey, you know, I've got a, other things to do too. I can't just talk to you. Um yeah. we're not pen pals on a daily basis here. Um, you know, so some careful setting boundaries, things that have to happen there. But um, for the most part, people just write one email or two and they have a question or they have a suggestion or recommendation. Um, I just got an email actually from a fellow. I need to respond today. I, I, this reminds me to respond to him. He's like, I don't want to leave base camp, but, and he's explaining to me how things have gotten, his company has grown to a certain degree where there's more demands for more complexity and more sophistication at these different levels. Mm -hmm. And he wants to talk, to, he doesn't want to leave. So he wants to talk to me about like, and, and he, in the email I said, hey, you know, um, he described what he needed. And I said, I, it, it, I'd love to walk through your account with you if, you, if you'd show me, we could screen share, because I have a feeling that um, what, I'm, what I'm reading is, is you're making it harder on yourself than you need to. There actually might be a mm -hmm. simpler way to do the things that you want to do already. 
And it'd be nice to look at that, but I need to kind of see your account with you. And of course I can't look at your account without your permission. And so we're going to, we're going to set, set up a screen share and walk through it. And like, you know, is that worth it? Like, is my time worth spending an hour with this one customer who's on the brink? It's not about that. It's never about that. It's about like this, this guy's genuinely want, wants to stay, but he's getting pressure. And so can I help? And I'm happy to help in those cases, you know, that sort of right. thing. So he wants to be best. retained. <laughs> Yeah. But you know, the thing right. is, is like, he's, he, yeah, he wants to be right. He he wants to be. And so, but, but I, it's not that we are, um, we're not proactively reaching out about that. Like when there's no triggers in his account going account usage is down uh, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, like there could be, we could do, we could be more sophisticated. Like account usage is down all of a sudden what's going on. They haven't added new, they used to add new people all the time. Now they're not what's, and then we can reach in there. But I also feel like that's kind of creepy, even though it might be effective. Like, I, I like, why are you looking? Whoa, how'd you know that? Yeah. How'd you know that? Like, I, what else do you know? This is kind of the, some of yeah, the creepiness that, that, that slides yeah. in there, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, then um, about the emails, I'll be very, very careful suggesting the third episode. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's good. I enjoy talking, so okay. All right, yeah. Uh, but so many, uh, you know, I talked to a few, a few other uh, podcast hosts, and they're like, "Well, how do you reach out to Jason Fried?" And I'm like, "Well, th his email is right there. <laughs> it's everywhere." And, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, so, just, yeah. Anyone can email uh, me, Jason at hey com. Jason thirty seven. I was like, reach out. Happy to talk. Yeah. Like, if, if I have something, you know. I, one piece of advice I will give everybody, though, who's listening is that um, if you're trying to reach out to anybody, keep the email relatively short, because what ends up happening is sometimes I get these really lengthy, lengthy, detailed emails, and I feel like I want to respond in kind, like, but I'm like, I don't have time to write as much as you wrote. And it hmm. feels flippant for me to just respond with three lines or something. So then it just sort of sits in a pile because like, I like, I have to get back to this, but I don't know when I will. And then I often can take months in some cases because I just like, yeah. so just make it easy for the other person to respond. And that means don't throw 15, 16 questions at them. Like if you have a question for somebody, ask one or two questions, keep them brief, keep them short. Uh, and there's a much better chance you're going to get a response that way. Yeah. And to you basically add to don't that, want to create work for someone else. You want to create a conversation, yes. but don't create work for someone else. And don't be creepy. Don't ever, ever send a video. Yeah, I don't like that either. I don't like that either. Right? It's just, ugh. Because, the thing about that is yeah. people that I'm like, well, people can see if I watch the video probably because they have some tracking. It's like, I don't, ugh. The whole thing is just, it just you're, you're setting yourself. I, I know it sounds like you feel like someone's going to watch your video because it's personable, and but it's just, a, mm. it's an obligation now. And like, I don't create obligations for people. Just think about making it simple for someone else. And like a couple lines, a short email, a paragraph or two is plenty. Yeah, yeah. First, first insurrection is definitely just a text. Yeah. I... <laughs> sure. Yeah. Keep it. Yeah. Keep yeah. it there. Uh, all right. Well, um, another another question that I wanted to ask is uh, about one of your again recent posts about the fifty day average for establishing a company culture. And um, I thought about that and I, I started like analyzing how long it took me, for example, I joined Size Group, uh, I wanna say nine months ago, uh, I think exactly to the day almost. Mm, wow. um, so yeah, 
And um, I thought like how many days it took me to like feel the culture to to like see what we're doing because also we're not maybe the the most typical uh, example because we're many brands uh put together right and there is SaaS group as it is as a company as a central team operating a bit differently um and i thought okay i, I want to be there with you uh i want to i want to say you know i was cool and i felt everything <laughs> right away that was a match um and it kind of did but then you know we're we're fully remote, just as, as Basecamp is all, everything that you're doing. Um, is there, how do you install that in a remote team? Because everything you wrote about it, right? Uh, it's about the way you treat people. It's about the way you uh, communicate with people. It's about uh, the way you assess their work. But you know, we're still talking like this on the screen, right? So how do you, yeah, how do you deal with the culture? Well, the thing is, the the point of my post was that culture just, it's an emergent property. It, it just is. You don't, if we're talking and we're faking it, that's the culture that we, we fake it. Right. If we're talking and we're genuine, then we're genuine. If we're honest with each other, then we're honest. If we're holding things back, then we're holding things back. Like culture is a mirror. Um, and, and, and the mirror itself, like, doesn't do anything. It just reflects uh, what um, what happens inside of a company. So I, I just don't think you you can do anything about culture. It just is. Um, it's result of uh, patterns. The reason I picked fifty days, people are like always like, why fifty days? Why not sixty days? Like I don't know, why I pick sixty days. <laughs> yes. I, don't, I don't care. You know, like whatever. The point, is, like in the financial world, there's typically a fifty day moving average and a two hundred day moving average. Fifty day moving average is of course like shorter term and two hundred. Point is, is like you need some time to establish some patterns because we can all be on our best behavior day to day, week to week, but like, you know, week after week after week after week after week, can you be, you know, roughly two months, 50 days is like almost two months. Like that's how we are. And the good news there is you can get better fast. And the bad news is you can get bad fast and you can have good months and bad months and good stretches and bad stretches. And it's just like it kind of moving average sort of evens it out to some degree. Um, and um, but yeah, I, you I just don't think you can do anything about it. Like you can say like, we should be kind to each other. We should, 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 should talk, talk, talk. Like it's the actions. It's not the words, it's the actions. And um, that's all it is. So, and, and of course there's, there's micro cultures within organizations. Like one team could be really good and the, the whole organization yeah. could be really difficult, but there's this oasis in the organization that's better than the rest. I mean, that's true too. So culture is, is, um, is, 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 is local and, and, you know, international or however you want to call it. Um, um, but, um, it, it's just, it just, it just is, that's, that's the thing that, um, and so, some guy saw in the link in my LinkedIn post, he's like, is there data that shows that it's 50 <laughs> days? It's like, this is not about data, man. And it's not yeah. even about the 50 days. It's just like, it is. It just is. And like the sooner you come to that, you realize like this is like a society and, and society just is too. I mean, there are some founding documents and there's all the things that are about a society or a culture or a company or a, a, a country or whatever, or a hemisphere, or whatever. But it ultimately is how, how does everyone behave with one another? And that, that is what the place is like. Um, right. And I think, I think that's kind of the thing. It's like, what's our culture? The real question is like, what is this place like? And everyone, everyone kind of knows that answer. 
Um, yeah. Like, what is the culture? I don't know, but what is it like? So okay, maybe I should so do what about that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so what is it like? And uh, I don't know, should I call it, should I just say 37 signals? What is yeah. it like? Because I mean, I think the wrong back... person to ask actually is the answer to that. You should ask okay. like a handful of people who, who, who work here and have them share their experience. Cause I, I feel like I, I'm biased, uh, obviously. So that's the other thing I would say is don't ask the owner, CEO, they're, they're the last I've written other posts, but they're the last to know pretty much everything in an organization. So right. I'm happy to still answer the question, but I don't think it's an accurate representation. I mean, you still hope it kind is, of, yeah, it, establish the, the baseline, right? And, 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 uh, a combination of independence and helpful and being helpful hmm. and being and, and having a degree of integrity with with the work you do and the way you treat customers and the way you treat each other and that's what that's what we hope for but again it doesn't matter what we hope for is what is it really and that's that's what you should ask people right so what i'm saying is that uh you know we all kind of remember a bit of a situation that you had a couple of years ago, right, uh, when uh, it took a, a huge toll on a company, maybe, you know, threatened a bit of a, an existence of it a little bit, I don't know, or shook it a little bit, if I think a lot of people know what we're talking about here. So that was still, you know, it, we can talk about the culture, but it wasn't really a cultural thing. It was kind of brought on the company from the outside, but then acted on it from the inside, right? So you still make some steps to to establish what's right and wrong in the company. So um, what do you do differently maybe right now? Like are there some baseline decisions, some ultimate uh, decisions that you're still making to make sure this is the company that, that you want to work with? Yeah, well, I think first you, um, you have to establish that uh, every society has some degree, some set of rules or borders or boundaries. Um, and what is it like to be French? What is it like to be German? What is it like to be American? What is it like to be Dutch? Like there are some differences between cultures and, and locations. There are some of that. So like every company has some of that too. Um, and with that decision, for example, like they just said, like, we're not going to talk politics at work. Um, that radically improved our culture. Because the, the culture before that decision was actually, I think, devolving and, and uh, dysfunctional, where okay. everything was being pushed up against uh, questions about politics and, and power and, and things that were going on in society at the time. And like those things are real, too, but that, that's not what we do here. We're, we make software and let's, let's make sure that we're not losing our focus. Because uh, if, you're, if you're not focused on the, on the task at hand and you, you, you don't give your, your coworkers the benefit of the doubt and you don't trust each other and you think everyone's out to get each other, like that's your culture then. And that's a culture of yeah. fear and distraction and, and, uh, and a loss of understanding why we're here, um, what it means to be here, to work at this place. Um, so, and you know, our job is not to solve world social issues or political issues. Like our job is to build the best software we can and, and, and enjoy doing it with one another and, and give each other the benefit of the doubt. Cause we need to do that to do good work. Um, so you kind of like, that was a, a boundary we put in place. Like we're not t doing that anymore. Um, in the same way we would say like, I mean, you can't just show up at work whenever you want. You can't just work one day a week. I mean, like that doesn't work. Like 
got to put in a full, full, you know, full week, full, roughly 40 hours a week. Like that's it. But also we don't want people working 80 hours a week or 70 hours a week or 60 hours a week. So there's some boundaries there too. Otherwise you have a culture of, of exhaustion, of mistakes, of people being tired. And when people are tired, they're short with each other. They don't talk kindly with one another. They're, you know, their, their patience is worn thin. Like that's what you get with that. So there are some things you can put in place at the borders to encourage certain kinds of behavior, but ultimately it still is how are people behaving? How are people with one another? How are people paying attention to the work they're doing and the customers they're serving? Like it is still that, but yeah, you can, you can help to, to mold that to some degree. But for example, you know, David's written about this and I, I sent him a picture about this. I, I was at this um, um, rental car place once running a car and, you know, behind the, 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 the counter, there's like the 10 principles we believe in. And it's like, customers are the most important thing. And, you know, we'll do our best for, and, and then you like talk to the person in front of you and they're just like, clearly don't want to be there. They're not really doing <laughs> a good job. Like they're exhausted for maybe not their fault, but whatever it is. Right. And there's just this disconnect. There's a thing behind them on the wall, which are the guidelines, the rules, the borders, the things the company wants yeah. to be. And there's the way the company is with customers. And I don't care about what's on the wall. It means nothing to me as a customer when the experience itself is poor. So yeah, you have boundaries, you have rules, but behavior in the end is, is what defines what a company is really like. Okay. Yeah. All right. And again, the good answer. news is it can change. Hmm. 50 days is there's, you know, there's some momentum there, but, but you can get better quickly at this stuff and you can get worse. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what would you share? With founders that are only getting there that you know companies are growing everything's great um <clears throat> ultimately they're they want to hire more they want to establish the culture right they want to set the boundaries what would you recommend doing first place um when they're on that track um culture is really all about people and interpersonal relationships so um hiring focus on how you hire, make sure that you're hiring people of high character, people with the right skill level. You can't, you know, make sure you hire people who know what they're doing. Uh, make sure you're getting who you think you're getting. Um, make sure they're signing up for what they think they're signing up for. So getting very specific with your job ads, job posts. Um, one of the things we, we rarely do in our job posts is ever say like years of experience, or you've got to have these bullet point skills. It's more like, these are the things you would have done last week had you worked here. And that is a much better accurate representation of what it's like and what we're looking for and what you should be able to do than whether or not you meet some checklists of broad labeled skills, like you know this language or that language, like doesn't mean as much. So I'd really yeah. dig into the hiring process. If you wanna change the culture moving forward, or if you don't like the culture or whatever it is, like um, yeah, obviously like you've already had people, so you've, but but if you're hiring people and you're, you're you know, that this is your chance to, get the kind of people in that you want, um, that, that you think are going to contribute to the kind of vision you have for the culture. Like a company can still have a vision, an ideal for what they like their culture to be. It's still behavior is what it really is, but, um, bringing in the right kind of people who are, one of the things we look at when we, I just like, whenever I'm interviewing people, um, I'll kind of with design work, at least I'll, I'll, we ask them to do a project for us to, to look at some work together. And then I will push back hard on it, even if I love it. Um, right. And I'll push back hard because I want to see how people respond to critiques, to feedback, to a genuine difference of opinion. 
um, to a, have you thought of that? Or why'd you do it that way? Or I'm confused by this. I just want to see how they think. I want to see how they handle that. Some people, it's like deer in the headlights. They just freak out. They're not used to that. Other people like really take it and go, oh, great point. You know, I hadn't thought of that. Or actually, I did think of that. I only had five days to do this project. So I chose this direction. But had I had another two days, I think I would have explored that. And here's why. And I, that it's that attitude that I'm looking for. That like, oh, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that. Or I had thought of that. I didn't do it. And here's why. Or I actually disagree. Here's why I did what I did. Those are the kind of people we want here because I think that leads to the kind of culture that we want to have um, versus people who are, uh, you know, can't handle um, honest feedback and harsh feedback sometimes. Not like mean, but like, look, this is, we've got two more weeks. Like this is, I, I, I don't want to like sugarcoat it. Like you got to be able to take yeah. it. Sure. Um, and so to, because if you hire people who can't handle that, and then that's the kind of company you are, you're going to be in a bad spot pretty quickly. Um, there's going to be a lot of contentious arguments. People aren't going to know how to respond. Things are going to slow down. Everyone's going to start to tiptoe around each other in a way that's unhealthy. Um, and then that's what you got. And that's the problem. So got to start with hiring. All right. Well, completely agree. Like, first of all, um, Sometimes it, I, uh, I go and see like what, what other SaaS companies are, um, are putting in their ads for, yeah. for the open positions. And sometimes I go uh, and I think, oh my God, I would never be hired there. Like if, <laughs> and even if it's like the same role, ultimately, like I, I assume the same things that are supposed to be done when I read about it, I'm like, no one, no one will do like four papers of like the responsibilities and like the things that you listed there, right? It's just not possible. And sometimes I talk with um, with HRs and uh, they would say, you know, you're not supposed to do it there. It's here, you know, we just put it there because, it's, you know, it's nice to have. If we ever need it, it would be great to have you with that skill because then, you know, easy win. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's very, um, that's unhealthy. It is. And, and the other thing I would say is the team that's hiring. So if you're hiring a designer, like the design team should initially write the ad. Um, at some mm -hmm. point, um, if, if your HR department is really in tune with, with what you're doing, like they can take that role on at some point. But you got to be careful to if you're having HR write job ads and they don't understand the job because yeah. they're going to put things in there that they don't understand that don't make any sense. And someone who's looking at that's going, what? Wh whoever wrote this isn't actually a designer. They don't really understand what this job's all about. And you're going to that's that's a bad thing, too. So anyway, uh, job ads are, are I, I think, among the job ad and the, and the whole hiring process is among the most important thing It is probably the most important thing a company has to do. Um, and it's not just like check the box. We need 10 more people. We need 10 more designers in this yeah. year because whatever, like you need 10 more excellent people who can design. That's what you need. Um, and, um, figuring out how to attract those people, how to land those people, how to nurture those people, um, and how to let those people flourish is like, that's, that's it. You gotta be able to do that. If you can't do that, yeah. companies probably not be able to do anything else very well. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you. I think that that was a great advice. And I think a lot of people find it very helpful because for a lot of founders, it's it's a very tricky thing to to hire somebody or to figure out, you know, especially the early stages, how to hire people that are good, you know, because they cannot wing uh, the same uh, salaries as, um, you know, the bigger companies. So maybe they have to be a bit more flexible, a bit more creative about it. Um, but yeah, absolutely uh, agree that it's super important. Great. All right. Glad well, Jason, uh, an hour, come on. Uh, how <laughs> fast could it go? Uh, I will. <laughs> I will email for the third one. <laughs> sure. We can do Very one carefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for, for the talk. It's been awesome talking with you as always. And um, yeah, really, really excited to see what you're doing with once. Thank you, as are we. Um, I appreciate yeah. uh, coming on again. Thanks for having me. Thank you and take yeah. care. Sure. Bye. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS Group, a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.